see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got guy it is spit the spit podcast where we talk all things surf and occasionally go down a rabbit hole that's not surf related which i understand is some of our better content uh good morning david good morning scott great to see you i have almost zero follow-up from last week and all hot surf news there's a lot to talk about um why don't you why don't we just get right into it? Go I think we ahead. should get right into it. This is, I mean, arguably the biggest news week in surf for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, let me just say real quick, it's Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. Okay, go ahead, brother. Direct from the WSL Friday night, just as I checked off of work and was ready to ease into a leisurely weekend and not think about anything, quote, the WSL has decided to suspend the Billabong Pipe Masters competition as a result of positive COVID-19 tests within the WSL staff, including WSL CEO Eric Logan. The WSL is committed to prioritizing the safety of the staff and athletes surrounding community above all else and is working closely and transparently with the Hawaiian State Department of Health to determine the path forward. As part of the league's COVID safety plan, anyone who has returned a confirmed positive test is self-isolating until they are cleared and contact tracing protocols have been fully implemented. The WSL does not believe that any athletes have been exposed and will continue to execute the safety protocols. This was Friday afternoon slash evening. Uh, they also posted that on Instagram and they have not given us a word since. There has been no update since Friday officially. No official update. We have rumored updates, but. What are the rumors? Well, so the, I mean, so the big news, let's get into that big news real quick before the rumors. Yeah, okay. Eric, Co Eric Logan, the CEO of the WSL, tested positive for COVID-19 in Hawaii. Yeah, and a couple of other guys. So I got some Instagrams um, from some people that were there that said that prior to the event, they saw like subcontractors and just basically people kind of involved in the event. And he was, this guy, he said it was hard for him to determine who was who, but he could tell that there was people that were involved in the, in the event um, that were completely co-mingling, no masks, just like setting up or whatever. And, and he, he and his wife were there on vacation and they were watching it go down and he didn't really think much of it until, of course, this news sprang. And he sent me a little DM on Instagram going, hey, man, it, it didn't seem like anyone really cared over there too much. Um, well, that's fascinating. Uh, from watching the two days of the event that ran, and we will get into those two days as well. Officially, it was one day of the trials and then just the seating round. So one day of main competition. But during that, the, the protocols actually looked pretty uh, well done and pretty well regulated. And part of it was a pre-produced package where they show you, hey, this is what we're doing. We have multiple check-ins for the athletes and they get tested X number of times, you know? And so all of that actually, 
uh, I don't know, quelled my, not that I'm super uh, concerned about it, but it's still quelled what, what concerns that I would have. Um, however, all of the other footage validated what you're saying. And it even shows, I mean, all the athletes in the water are sitting shoulder to shoulder together. So there's that, you know, which you can't avoid. And again, I'm not even against that, but everybody on the beach, people coming and going, it felt like a lot of what they, the pre-produced commercial and a lot of what they showed was a pose, you know, like almost felt like there was a email that went out and said, Hey, when you're on camera, leave your mask on until three seconds into the take and then pull it down. Because when they would be doing a cut to Marty Thomas on the beach for the the update on the event, that's what he would do. He'd have his mask on and then pretend like, oh, I forgot this is on and then start talking to the camera. Same thing with Strider. So those things felt like a pose to me. You're sitting there, you know, presumably six feet away because the boom operator or the mic operator is using a boom, Strider's using the boom mic and, or whatever he's using to keep six feet away. Marty's six feet away at all times. He could have had his mask down before the camera went on, you know, but they wait until the camera goes on to show that he's wearing a mask and then draw it down. So, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Like, I, I think that's good policy, frankly. Because just for the it, people to see. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really, you should be wearing a mask. I mean, it's, it's up to your own, you know, whatever you want to do, but as far as the WSL doing that, that's the policy that I would implement. Make sure that we have footage of us wearing masks because it's, it's just good protocol for the safety, we believe. Here's um, what I believe. Where, if that's the case, do it off camera too. That's my point. Is if you're just doing it for the pose, that's not adequate. Well, I mean, you're assuming that. How do you know Marty doesn't wear a, a mask all the Th time? This isn't directed at Marty. This is directed at what you said your friends saw and what I'm oh, saying I've seen right, from right. all the non-WSL footage. Well, let me put a caveat on that in that, you know, um, this is not my friend. It's a person on Instagram who I don't know, but probably listens to our show. And um, I'm not doubting what he saw, but again, he'll be the first one to say, look, I'm not sure who was who, you know, yeah. but... Um, so, you know, now, well, okay, also, I think that we should put this in context of, as you probably know, the WSL has a film permit. They don't have a beach permit. Okay. They have a film permit, a permit to create film in Hawaii, which is what the County of Honolulu will give them. They will not give beach permits. So those film permits have different specifications than do say a beach permit regarding COVID. And basically, they say if anybody in your film crew tests positive, we have to shut it down. We have to do contact tracing. And until everyone's clear, we can't restart. So I've been getting some pushback on, you know, why not let the surfers surf, blah, blah, blah. It's simply against the law. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's that simple. Like, it's not like everyone in the WSL doesn't want to push through this and get it done. I think, in fact, I know that they do. But they have to. They have people above them, basically the cops, the authorities, if you will, saying, hey, if you do this, we're going to shut you down for life. You know, like they're looking at long term. They can't just go rogue against a permit, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's my understanding that they're going to wait for everyone to test out clean and then they'll push the start button and they'll get this thing going again. And it's an unfortunate stop in the situation. But um, 
it's simply not analogous to say the NFL or other sports. Well, because you said, you said until, yeah, exactly. Because of the permit, uh, you said until everybody tests clean. Well, look, I'm I'm just using, I'm just using some vernacular. But but what that would, what that would mean is that Eric Logan would, I mean, that would be weeks, if not months down the road until Logan tested negative. If you, if you have it, well, right. That, so if you have it, you need to isolate for 10 days, get the um, part of the disease that is um, contagious past you, right? And then test negative. Now, there's two different tests. There's tests that will, that will test you positive for months, but you will simply won't be uh, contagious. There's another test that will say, hey, you're negative, you're not contagious. That's the one that I'm sure they're going to be using. And um, as soon as everybody's, that's the one that the NFL uses. As soon as everyone is negative, not contagious, then they will restart. The permit will be considered a uh, green light. Which again, I'm sort by the way, I'm not the friggin' voice of the WSL. This is just what I'm kind of getting from all the feedback and, and my own little research on it here. Which could be weeks or a month down the road. It could be a long time. Yeah, it could be a long time. I, you know, it's my assumption that everyone's taking this thing really serious and they're in full lockdown, but you never know. I mean, Hawaii, it's warm, it's sunny. Let's go outside. Let's go to the store. It's just going to take, I mean, you got to figure how many people are within the permit? How many people work for the WSL as a subcontractor that need to be tested? Like, what's that number look like? I would say maybe it's less than 30. You know, but but I guess you got to figure all the surfers too. So how many surfers are there? Thirty-two. Yeah, well, probably plus a couple. Like, yeah, right. So let's say forty yeah. athletes and an additional twenty staff. Is that fair? Sure. So we got to get sixty negatives, and everybody in the meantime has to be in isolation. Um, you know, under locked or whatever. They just have to be careful. I don't know exactly what they have to do, but you know, basically they're probably all getting tested every two days. And, um, but, but you're right. The, I think the one problem here is, is the, the quiet, like when the NFL does it, they're letting you know, like you're getting updates every two days on where they're at with like, say the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, so the it's, quiet is unsettling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, let me ask you this. Why is Eric Logan even there? I don't know. Believe me, he's catching a lot of shit. I can read an email if you want to listen to one. That's pretty scathing. And, and, and uh, I mean, look, that's a great question. Why was he there in the first place? Look, their whole thing, the abundance of caution is the quote that they, you know, when they were going to kick off the tour, they're going to do it with an abundance of caution. And I don't, if you're going to have a bare bones crew, I don't know that the CEO needs to do his job on the ground. I would, I would presume there are people even better qualified for kind of doing the COVID regulations or making any quick decisions competition wise. Like Eric Logan, we've discussed in the past, doesn't even have on his resume running world tour events. You know, his value as a CEO is things other than running the world tour. And so I don't know why he necessarily needs to be on the ground in Hawaii. And I mean, it's just, bad luck, unfortunately, um, that he would be the one that contracts it. 
from a PR standpoint, you know, for the WSL. Well, let me read this email if you don't mind. I'll, I'll cut in real quick and just say, by the way, Eric Logan reports that he is well. He's not, you know, um, on a ventilator. Just so, it's just for, I want to, I want people to know it's not like we're, he's like on his deathbed and we're talking crap. Okay. So this is an email that I've got that I received, excuse me. And, um, and it's pretty scathing and it's not from David and Scott, although we are reading it on our podcast and I begin and here we go. This is an email from a listener. As the footage rolls in from the best pipe backdoor swell of the winter from when the pipeline masters would have run, but for the utter negligence of the WSL CEO, Eric Logan, one cannot help but lament the most epic fail, Travis Sham mockery in the history of surfing, if not professional sports in general. Eric Logan catching COVID two days before the best swell of the winter at pipe and thus causing the pipe masters to be suspended is ta tantamount to paddling out on a jet-powered SUP, then back-paddling and burning the Dahui crew, only to pearl and go over the falls, then have your coot canoe take out dozens of surfers. Eric Logan's pathetic statement reeked of howly privilege and was bereft of any meaningful apology. This kook should be hung by a leash, drawn by sharp NVS fins, and quartered to the four corners of the surf empire. And email. Now, wow. I'm, not, I'm not so sure our friends at NVS appreciate that reference, but um, <laughs> there's no such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> and I think that's a little bit harsh, but in reference and in context to your earlier statement about why is Eric Logan even in Hawaii, I think that's a really, really good question. And I, I, I can't think of a good answer, to be honest with you. Okay, let's unpack this. Uh, can you blame somebody for getting COVID? No. Okay. Is it the end of the world that no. he got COVID? Okay. No. Should the WSL have run the Pipe Masters on December 8th? Uh, is that the day they tested positive? That was the day of the opening window. Should they have run an event in Hawaii in December, period? Yeah. Then what could they have done differently to prevent COVID contractions, or to, to minimize even. Just limit, uh, limit you know, bodies on the ground. Yeah, so that's, so they were right to, they were okay, or they were justified in having the event. Because that part, I would even argue with you, as much as I wanna see competition, Hawaii is a Petri dish. And you really can't argue I mean, if your only argument is we have a business to run, so we're going to fly, like you said, maybe 60 people into this Petri dish so that we can run our business. And sure, we're going to make like um, some regulations to try to prevent it. But look, this is a worldwide pandemic. America is the biggest offender. And then there's these islands that are isolated off the coast of America. We're going to fly in there to run our business because we want to watch surfing. Like that's pretty hard to justify. I would agree. Um, strictly legally, however, uh, that would that um, guilt would fall on the city and county of Honolulu for That's issuing fair. the issuing the permit. As a business entity, you're like, hey, they gave us a permit. I can't believe it. I will say this: they obviously looked at all of their opportunities and what was available to them, and said, look, we can't get a beach permit. But somebody over here in the city hall has suggested, hey, if you just kind of 
you know, change the semantics around and call this a film filming event, we can get you a film permit. So right there is sort of where if you're going to place blame, it's, it's right there. It's sort of on the guy in City Hall who said, hey, by the way, we're allowing filming permits. That's cool. You can fly in for that. And then the guy who I guess would ultimately be the CEO of the WSL, Eric Logan, saying, hey, let's take advantage of that. Let's do that. Let's run this event. We got to get this tour going. Now, that is an important detail is where the buck stops, because as the CEO making that decision, you have to then map out all the potential scenarios, which, by the way, they said that they did. They said that they were prepared for this possibility. But so if you look at that possibility of, hey, somebody's going to get COVID and based on the legality of this permit, we cannot continue competition or we have to wait, like you said, until everybody tests negative, then we can resume. Well, then what does that do to the end product? So you're mapping out all the various scenarios. One of them is this that we're actually currently in. And what does the end product become? It becomes this uh, bifurcated event that didn't run on the best days of the waiting period because of swell. Now it might get actually extended beyond the original permit window. And that it's just it's a Frankenstein of what it once was. And I don't think that that's a justifiable way to do it then. Doing a half-assed shoddy version of what you set out to do doesn't justify the risk involved with flying everybody into this Petri dish. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no denying that. I, I would just suggest to you that, um, you know, if you're looking at beforehand all of the potential outcomes, and this is one of them, and you, David, are saying, say, in October or November, based on this being one of the outcomes, let's not do it. Um, that's understandable, but I, I could also see the other side of the equation going, hey, this is one of the outcomes. We may have to push back. You know, other sports are doing this. Other sports are kind of shutting down for a few days. This isn't like we're the first sport to do this. Let's move forward. Hope it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, you know, we, we have contingencies for this, and we're going to move through this. And oh, by the way, it's not a beach permit. It's a film permit. So they probably have as much time as they want to film at Pipeline. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's different. The beach permit's like, look, for a surfing contest, you get these windows. I bet for a film permit, it's like, hey, you, you've got unlimited, however much time it takes to wrap up the shoot. Maybe. Uh, I, if, if, that's, if I were the CEO in that case, I wouldn't go. Well, that's a, that's a problem that's there's no doubt that that's a problem like, uh, like why does understand. the ceo need to be there now maybe eric has a good reason maybe, maybe he well, does and i don't know maybe he had to go there and meet you know it doesn't it's not too far of a stretch to suggest that he needs to meet in person with city and county people and shake hands and kiss babies i actually in saying that i think it is a stretch i think you can do all that on zoom considering the situation that we're in they would absolutely make accommodation for him to do it on zoom Yes. We see, yeah, we see Congress meeting on Zoom throughout this, you know? So I think that's the one detail where I would, if I ran that calculus of worst case scenarios in that, the one that we're playing out, I'd go, holy cow, if I, the CEO, was one of the only ones who is like now potentially going to spread this thing, that's not a, I, I just cannot justify that. That's an un, I'm well, not a, that, that I would never put yeah, myself that, in that position. That's a problem. And then let's say we take, 
Eric out of the equation. Like he didn't show up, he didn't test positive, but they got positives, right? So my question is, who are these guys that tested positive and how come there wasn't more, and maybe there was, again, you know, like we're, I, I have maybe no. That, why wasn't there more transparency about who they were? No, not transparency, but why wasn't there more protocols and, and more sort of angst and um, more conviction conveyed to these people that, hey, man, we can't screw this up. In other words, I'm sure they have a lot of subcontractors there in Hawaii who are just kind of like, I'm just assuming that are just kind of like, you know, going through their day like they normally do in Hawaii. And if they catch it, they catch it. If they don't, they don't. In other words, not understanding sort of the weight yeah. of what's going to happen if we have to stop and hold on and send out a press release that says somebody got it, you know, like, yeah, is, is every, I hope that everyone's being as, you know, um, cautious. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we all know that there's a range of cautiousness and I would imagine in that 60 people that there's everything in that range. There's people not masking and define and then arguing with the people who are telling them to put on the mask. And then there's people that are fully in a hazmat suit. Um, I also got a comment about Eric Logan from an Instagrammer. And he said, so every pro surfer has traveled since July, all on video, rarely masking, or on any vlog or Insta story, all the vloggers that we've been seeing on YouTube, none of them are masked up in the videos they've made in the, the last few months. He goes on to say, and pro surfing gets taken out by a Val, by, uh, the Oprah, by Oprah's guy, who by the way, probably came up with the idea for Tyler Wright's progressive pride patch just to further his own agenda. Then he said, okay, that last part was a conspiracy, but still plausible. <laughs> and then he said, what happened to the sketchy drug trips, crooked federales. I want my surfing back. Tired and flailing wave stormers uh, are a nightmare. So side note, podcasts have been good lately. Um, So I think that's kind of funny is that surfers have been traveling around the world and there's been no reported cases. I mean, Kelly spending three months in Bali, you know, like, and then surfing gets taken out by a vow, by the CEO of the WSL. That is... You cannot script this, Scott. I mean, truly, you cannot script this. Yeah, look, it's it's such ample opportunity to kind of poo-poo on the WSL here that I don't want to be, I don't want to take the, I wouldn't say it's low-hanging fruit, but I mean, we could jump all over this and make this show all about beating the shit out of the WSL. The fact of the matter is, um, you know, these guys could have taken all the precautions in the world and still... And still, this is a highly contagious disease. And it's as simple as, you know, getting a pastry at Ted's where it has a little bit of opening the door at Ted's Bakery and getting it on your hand and wiping your eyes and boom. And you don't even know where the hell you got it. You know, like, so it, it, it's, it's sort of like this could happen to you and I later today when, when you go to Walmart and when I go to uh, wherever I go. But it isn't Neiman Marcus when I go to Walmart <laughs> and you go to Neiman <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to shop online. <laughs> hey, when it, when was the last, this is a total side note. When was the last time you've been into a Walmart? You know, it's probably about six or seven months ago. Occasionally my wife, God bless her soul, will go in there early in the morning. And every time she goes, she's like, I hope I don't get shot. You know, and she plans her trip to Walmart very early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> thinking that the shooters aren't out that early. It is a different planet in there. <laughs> I mean, hey, I hate to stereotype, but it absolutely is. It's freakish. 
And I mean, they don't exist in nice neighborhoods, but not far away from nice neighborhoods, you know, like it's on my drive of the places that I go daily. And I don't even know why I needed to go there, but I went last, I feel like a year ago. It was like maybe right around the holidays. (laughs) And my mind was blown. I was like, where do these people come from? Like, they're like all the neighborhoods around here are relatively nice. These people are flying in or trucking in from somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's wild. So the question is that this is the big one and you, we need complete honesty here. Yeah. Do you like me put on a pseudo disguise prior to entering? <laughs> <laughs> so that no. if you happen to run into somebody, you can just kind of, that's the beauty of the mask. you right. You just put that thing on. People don't even know who the hell you are. You keep your sunglasses on too. Just fully like fogged up sunglasses, a mask. I need help. I'm like bra- I'm like blind in there, you know. That is hilarious. So if you did run into some um, esteemed member of your local community that you were embarrassed to see at Walmart, would you both not acknowledge it? Like you both see yeah. each other, and then you both look the other way, and there's no. an, there's an implicit understanding that we will never mention this. Absolutely, this has happened. This is like a Larry David moment right here. This has <laughs> happened. I. I've been, it was actually in Target, which isn't quite as bad. Oh, no, Target's great. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no barrel and olive or olive and whatever. But uh, there is that moment. I've had that moment where it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, like a quick look away. Yeah. Like, like you're busy trying to investigate, you know, what the fucking underwear is made out of or whatever. <laughs> so Target does, Target is up to their game in the last decade and it's a lovely shopping experience. Uh, but are you talking, I thought you were saying at Walmart, you're just embarrassed to see them in Walmart. Or are you saying that you're just, you don't like running into people in public in general? No, no, no. In Walmart. Okay, okay. But Target kind of falls into that big box situation. I don't like running into people in general. If I see somebody at Trader Joe's, I'll go down the other aisle hoping that we don't run into each other. Oh, I friggin' hate Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is, I won't even go in there. It's so crowded. See, I have this, I need big, fat, wide aisles, right? And I can't have some little old blue-haired lady just jamming her cart in front of me while I'm trying to get carrots out of the super small little vegetable area at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's drives me crazy, and I've, I've made it clear my family that I won't go into Trader Joe's. I'll sit in the well, car. Old man, ba- like- old man Bass is going to sit at the car and yell at <laughs> yeah. old ladies. Yeah. No, that's what goes down. It's like, I just want like common humanity. There's no humanity in Trader Joe's. It's just like people are just ramming their carts into you. And it's supposed to be this like bastion of, of, you know, sort of liberal ideals, right? A bunch of like hippies that smell like patchouli oil in there, but it's actually more like fascism. It's like fascist shopping. I need my carrots. <laughs> so the old crazy. lady, the old lady blocked me. I literally went in there one time and I was like, honey, watch this. And like, every time I went to get something, somebody like jumped in front of me or reached in front of me or, and I was like, I, I you know, every time I try to, cause I'm, I try to be like really considerate of others around me and there's no consideration in Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. So the, you're absolutely right. You've touched on something. As there is a culture at Walmart, there is a culture at Trader Joe's. And I would say that it's um, spawned by two main things that surfers can relate to. Finite resource, like- You mean and, aisle space? And tight, no, the well, tight quarters and finite resource. So yeah, aisle space. It's like, uh, if the waves have been bad for a long period of time and then it's good, 
but it's lowers. So it's only one peak, you know, so you have to be shoulder to shoulder and every wave that comes you want. Uh, that is such a good analogy. Lowers is the Trader Joe's of surf spots. It really is. Because for some reason, Trader Joe's are so small. They can make them double the size like a Ralph's or something, but they just, they're not, they're tiny. It's the worst. I won't go in. Yeah. Crazy. I do go in, but I go in uh, lean and mean. I don't take a cart. I take a basket. I know exactly what I want. You would hate me in there. I walk super fast. I cut no, in front I, of old ladies. I, I appreciate that, though. I, li- I like the strategy, and I like that you don't bring a cart, and I like that you have purpose. Yeah. Like, part of the problem is that there's a million people that are all considerate like me, and no one's willing to, like, make the next move. And it seems like as soon as we all decide, I guess nobody's going in for the carrots, I'm going. We all go in for the carrots at the same time. And it's just like, ah, oh, I pull back my cart, yeah. and I wait. And it's just, like, drives me crazy. Yeah, see, in that amount of time you guys were figuring that, I would have swooped, grabbed the carrots, and been at the checkout. By the way, is this, like, white privilege that we're talking about right here? How, how we're realized, too good for Walmart? <laughs> this, this seems like systematic racism is going down, and we don't even realize it. Uh, I don't know. I think this is a human experience. Okay. Uh, I've got – so I'm back. I'm going to throw some more shade on Eric. Um, yes. Because, honestly, I know you said we don't want to be that – but I laid out what transpired and you said the buck stopped at Eric. So that is worth discussing. Yes. Um, This is from, yeah. Let me set this up for you. Under what condition would it make sense for Eric Logan to be in Hawaii? That again, you and I can't imagine the scenario. So Eric would have to answer that himself. Right. Right. So off rocker, who's a commenter on beach grit said, Quote, so people beat, so people who beat each other up in cages for a living in a league run by a human salami stick who vote, (laughs) who vote for the dude who doesn't believe in COVID can run big sporting events every week for months. And these clowns at the WSL can't do one event. And it's the CEO bringing the plague in. This is a sacking offense. Sorry. Total abject failure of leadership. Failing to seize the opportunity six months ago when there was no sport on TV was the first abject failure. And then after seeing how multiple sports safely restarted and then bringing the plague in yourself, I mean, did he do the same quarantine as everybody else? Because if he's breached it, he has to go, end quote. Well, that's assuming he brought it in. I don't think he brought it in. I don't, I'm going to, I'm, I don't I'm, think he brought it in either because he didn't yeah. test. I mean, he was testing presumably for the days yeah. leading up to the event. Yeah. You can't bring it in. You have to test negative to get on a plane. Well, so now this is the other big conundrum is have you I'm, been following the Yagador, the Yagador yeah. story? Yes. That's a non-story to me, but go right. ahead. Because Yago t- tested positive. He stayed in Dallas or wherever it was for 11 days he continued to test positive, but again, that's the non-contagious test. That's the test where, yeah, like in other words, that's the test where he's not contagious, but you still test positive. You can test positive for months with that test and not be contagious and not have symptoms. So this is where I would argue, we got into arguments over the last couple of months. This is where I would argue the science isn't fully in yet. I don't think any of us can fully say Oh, Yago didn't didn't transport it. He didn't give it to Eric because 
these tests, you're saying, oh, this test does this, but this test does that. So you should just use that test. Well, what if the other test is right? What if neither test is right? What if there's still a margin of error in all of the tests? You know, like, I agree, we can't harpoon Yago at this point because, again, the test isn't in. But there still is. We have to file that away in the filing cabinet for things that we're going to research down the road. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and I don't mean to speak as an epidemiologist. How do I say that? Epidem epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. I am not an epidemiologist. Um, and I'm just kind of going off of what I read. I, I, I do do some research into it. I am fascinated by the whole thing. And, um, and I don't want to harpoon Yago. I mean, Yago got the waiver. The airlines let him on the plane. Um, I think you know, the part that people were complaining about, or maybe even um, he should have kept they, it under wraps. You don't no. want to be well. That's true. But the the thing that people were aiming guilt at him for was um, there was a rumor that the WSL helped him jump through some hoops to get him to Hawaii, and so then the WSL would be held liable if you if Yago did not go through the CDC mandated protocol and the WSL pulled a string or two then the WSL is now liable. Yeah, but I don't believe that to be the case, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's all rumor. Look, the city, and county, the city and county of Honolulu, somebody gave him a waiver, and I believe it was from the WSL and the city and county of Honolulu to okay. let him board. A, you can't board a plane positive, can you? Hey. I don't I, know. This I is mean, where we just don't he, know. Like, no, we're throwing out here's, a bunch. Here's what I do know is, have you done the COVID test yet? I forget. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, did, right? Three times. Uh, I've done it as well. Do did you get it all three done at the same place? Um, no. So did the test results when you got the piece of paper? Did they look the same? I didn't get a piece of paper. I just got um, a text from my doctor to check my my chart thing. Exactly. So my point is, you can Photoshop a positive result. You can show up at the airline with. Oh, you, you mean can, a, ne a negative result? You mean? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Negative results. Yeah. Uh, you can easily Photoshop it. There is no um, yeah. uh, general form that this should all look like. I've right. seen every variety of them. Some that, like the one that I got, literally looked like it was made on a Microsoft Word document <laughs> at the doctor's office, you know? And so, one thing I could do is just, if that was positive, Photoshop it and make it say negative, or I could just make one up on my own entirely out of thin air. I could show up at the airport and give them something that I made up that looks somewhat official, that has some doctor's name on it. Who are they to say, no, that's not legitimate. Yeah. It's all an honor system at this point. So no, you're, so you're mine, saying- Mine's from Dr. Jill Biden. It's right here. There you go. <laughs> so, so for you to ask, you say you can't get on a plane if you test without a negative test. And I'm saying, well, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No, you can work it, the system. For sure. There's easily, no doubt about it. Easily, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I know. There's not, knows. there's not even a systems of check and balances in place to see if people are cheating the system. Like they're just taking it at face value. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, the whole thing's just crazy, right? It's just, it's just crazy. It, at the end of the day, look, we just hope that, Nobody gets intubated, intubated. Uh, how do you say that? Intubated. Intubated, thank you. Epidemiology, intubated. So <laughs> I started out by saying a rumor about when competition would resume. This was um, an email or uh, 
presumably, allegedly, it's an email that went out to all the all the athletes, and one of the CT athletes actually leaked this to Beach Grit and a stab. Nice. So directly from both of those sites, quote from the WSL's alleged email, our protocols which identified the original positive case and the contact tracing group have contained the spread of the virus. The contact tracing group has been in isolation since the original positive case and no new cases have been reported since, including the results of the last PCR test. As such, as, as such, we have confidence in the resumption of the Pipe Masters as well as the Maui Pro completing at Pipeline. We're working with state and Hawaii, state of Hawaii officials on the resumption of competition. We expect clarity on that in the coming days. Looking ahead at the forecast, we will unlikely catch this fetch of swell and we'll be targeting the swell towards the end of the window. And this was sent out, I think, about 40 hours ago, 36 hours ago. Well, assuming that as that email read that they are in contact with city and county officials, I'm guessing that the CEO of the WSL is in contact with county and city of Honolulu officials, but because he's quarantined or in isolation, he's not meeting with them physically. So he's probably talking to them via Zoom. Which he could have done from the beginning. Thank you. We should actually discuss the pipe event that did take place, some of the surfing. But before we do, I will say um, a listener said that he went to the WSL's website for the first time in a year, and he was really disappointed in that there was no access to the review of the pipe trials. There was zero updates on the COVID outbreak or uh, contest updates for when they might potentially resume, and not a single comment about Owen Wright's withdrawal from competition. And he goes, the content that did exist was pointless and vapid, like tried to watch it, just like not even interesting, doesn't relate to any of the reason why I came here, which by the way, if he's right, first of all, he's right on all those points, but I'll say as my own commentary, if the tour is your main business and the idea is to build up shoulder content around the tours, you have to have an update on Owen Wright, why he didn't show up for competition. You have to have an update on COVID. It's the biggest news story in surfing in 2020. You have to have an update on when the contest may or may not resume. Like not updating those things is a complete failure of your original stated purpose. Okay, this is an interesting topic and I agree with you. And I'm going to suggest to you that this is gonna be the problem with surf content in general, right? Is that there is no more journalism. Now, I'm putting it right now, I'm putting it on Sam and the guys at STAB, um, Ashton, uh, but it comes from the top. So Sam, um, those people need to dig into this. There needs to, I need to be able to go to STAB and find an article that says, we tried our hardest. They're not telling us anything. We've been emailing them and pinging them and texting them every hour on the hour to get insight and we're not getting it. That's the very least that we should see on STAB, my new choice for surf journalism, I bought today. I signed up for the new subscription on STAB. And, and I did it because I, I wanna support journalism. I wanna, this needs to come out. Let me you know, ask like, you this. I'm not getting it on Surfline. That's who needs to be digging into this. If the NFL doesn't provide answers, guess what? There's people that work for CBS Sports. There's people that work for Fox Sports. There's people that work for all of these outlets that are going, 
this is what we're finding out. This is her. We're getting insight. I mean, you and I are actually providing more insight. Well, than- that's what I was going to ask you. I don't know why you're bumping to them. Why can't you and I be that person? I mean, you even just um, telling the listeners personal story about being on site and seeing people without masks on that are working presumably in the venue. I mean, you have Eric, you and I have Eric Logan's tech phone number. We could have texted him throughout all this. I know, you know, Marty as well. He's on the ground. You yeah. could have done some of this stuff. Why, yeah. why put it on stab? Cause maybe stab doesn't want to be journalists. Maybe they just want to do video pieces. Yeah. And except for they said that they're actually going to be doing in-depth journalism. Right. On their new thing. But, and I want to talk about that. Eventually. Well, we will, we will, but let's do pipe. Okay. Um, did you watch, obviously you watched the first two days of the pipe masters. I did. It was exciting, man. It was, I enjoyed the shit out of it for the trials. You know, you always go, God, it's like, they always run the trials in super epic surf. Cause it's like the first day of the swell. Yeah. Unruly, but epic. Yeah. Just whatever. It's pipe. I, I don't, I don't know if unruly is the right word. It but. wasn't, it wasn't super unruly, but it was challenging, which is great. Like you want yeah. it to be challenging. You don't want yeah. it to be perfect pipe. Um, I mean, the day before it was the day it would have been insane to run it. You know, there's totally. still 35 guys charging second reefers. You know what drives me nuts? Uh, I know this is just built in. It's baked into surfing. But it drives me nuts that Jamie O'Brien doesn't just win every trials. Like, or it drives me nuts that he doesn't make a heat. Like, and Mason Ho, for that matter. Like, those guys are so much better than everybody else by anyone's measure. Seth Moniz won the event. Seth Moniz would go, yeah, Jamie O'Brien's way better than I am, but Jamie can't make a heat out there. And he's won the event in the past. So he has at times, but I just, I can't stand watching him lose with like a less than 10 point heat total. It's infuriating. Yeah. Part of me feels like, um, and I can't speak for Jamie, but you know, Jamie's desire. I think Jamie goes out there and he's like, Hey, if I catch two bombs, I'll get through. If I don't fine, like, you know what I mean? It's not like he's chomping at the bit to, to prove to the world that he's the pipe guy, like say, when he was 18 years old, when he just in fact did do that, you know? Yeah. Now he's like, you know what? Everyone knows I'm the guy. All I need to do is go out and catch a wave and put it on my vlog. And everyone will be like, everyone's already bowing down to Jamie as the pipe master. It's almost like, He's got nothing to prove. Right. And the payday isn't significant to him anymore. And he's already got the trophy. Like he's kind of, you know, mail, I don't want to say mailing it in. I'm sure he wants to win and do well, but I, there's, I, I would suggest to you that the competitive drive isn't there. It's more like, Hey, if two perfect ones come to me, I'm going to definitely get through. And if not, Oh, well, that's true. And that's certainly the way that Mason operates as well. Um, how did you feel about, Leonardo Fioravanti and Mikey Wright getting three 30 minute windows to surf empty pipe. <laughs> Based on the face you're giving me, you weren't too stoked on it, but I, I'm, I, I don't have a feeling either way. I, I kind of wish Mikey Wright would have won the second one. So we didn't have to go through another one. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a waste of, of, of like important surf time that the rest of the competitors should get? I, no, I don't necessarily feel that way. I think other competitors might feel that way. I liked it, actually. I loved the grudge match. I loved um, seeing those two styles match up, and I think that they both actually brought their A game and surfed amazingly. So as a viewer, I don't know that two other surfers would have provided more entertainment. But 
that's a lot of time to get in the water at pipeline. You know, I mean, that's such a gift. Even uh, so Mikey lost Leo won, but Mikey will ultimately still end up surfing in this event and probably through the rest of the season. Oh, Did they do the third heat already? Yeah. Leonardo. Oh, won. oh I missed that. Oh, it shit. was the first heat of, uh, the seating round essentially like oh. the day that they ran the event. It was the very yeah. first heat that day. Um, so yeah, I'm just saying like, no, very, very few surfers have been gifted the opportunity to surf pipe when it's that good with nobody out three times in a row. Um, so that was fortunate for them. What about Kelly on his twin fin? It was interesting, right? It, um, you know, I thought it looked cool. I thought it looked good. I, you know, I'm not sure that's, that sort of falls in the Jamie O'Brien category where it's like, really, you're going to just go out on a twin. I guess he's been riding it in Indo and it looked great. It looked great under his feet. It looked like it works. It's fast. It's loose. He was doing some crazy stuff. Um, you know, that 360 carve. I, I, I'm stoked on it, but I don't think it's the smartest play. Well, he won the heat. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah. So I, I didn't, I don't know that I would say it's the smartest play, but he took a calculated risk and it paid off. And I think that calculation was the waves are getting wonky and it's going to be hard to find the exact sweet spot of the wave. If I'm on like a board with little kind of margin for error, a uh, short board. So the twin fin, I can kind of skate through those fat sections and ultimately have more fun. And he lucked into a really good wave. He got barreled on a good one. Uh, and the carving 360 was legit. I thought he surfed the board beautifully. I liked seeing it. I like the idea of opening up judges' minds to more than just pointy thrusters because there was such a long time where, I mean, I remember um, Stuart Kennedy riding Tomo's, you know, blunt nose, short board, planing hole kind of board and um, at the U.S. Open and ripping the bag out of it. And I thought, like, God, uh Stewie surfed better than everybody in that heat, but the board looks weird and he lost the heat because the judges don't even know what to make of it. It's like, they just think he's on a spacecraft and it's, we got to judge that differently. And I don't know what, and, and it'd be the same thing if somebody wrote a twin fin at J Bay, let's say, or a mid length at J Bay, they wouldn't know how to judge it. And so I, I like the idea of Kelly kind of expanding. I do too. And, and I will say this a couple things. We're talking about Kelly Slater right now. Um, and when you watched it and when I watched it and <clears throat> when everyone watched that heat, you've got to admit, we were looking at it with a much more discerning eye than just yeah. Kelly's going on a wave. I was looking at the, how the board was going to work. And so all of that, as we know, Kelly, the smartest competitor in the world, definitely, um, this was calculated and it was a good time to do it. It was a fading swell, you know, five, three, you know, four to six feet, perhaps whatever. Um, it wasn't like it was macking pipe and guess what? Everyone's attention was not only on Kelly, but how's the board going to go? And the judges must've been looking at it with a more discerning eye. And if you get every eyeball in the world watching you, you know, surf, uh, you know, with that sort of discerning moment on it, you know, you're going to, you're going to take that and, and run with it. And that's what Kelly did. And it was a non-elimination round. Right. Which is so. stupid. I hate those things. <laughs> uh, had you ever heard of the surfboard shaper before? His name is Mike Wu. No. Me neither. I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was a Mike Wu shape. It was a Mike Wu twin fin. And like you said, that he'd been riding in Bali. I 
couldn't gather that much information on Mike Wu. He had a private Instagram account with only 805 followers, but he let me in. I clicked to follow and he let me in. Looks like he shapes in Japan and Bali. He might oh, be cool. from Japan and he's shaping in Bali. Not exactly cool. sure. That's cool. I'm, I'm stoked to hear a new name float, floating around out there. It's interesting. His, his I mean, Instagram must be blowing up. It must be. Um, another word on Kelly. Remember I was telling you the stab in the dark Taj as the new test pilot and that it was weird that Taj was writing. He picks up the boards. He goes, God, these boards are so small. And then I said, um, Blake Peters at Panda said that they gave him the measurements of a smaller person than Taj when yeah. he was submitting that board. Kelly was the guy. How do you know? Uh, Panda didn't tell me that, but somebody else leaked that information that Kelly, they, they built a board for that event as well. And they were, they found out that Kelly was going to be the guy and they were going to be shipping the boards to Bali for Kelly while he was uh. there for that three months. And, uh, Firewire ultimately said no. They ixnayed the idea because it wouldn't be great for their kind of yeah. face of the brand to yeah. be writing a bunch of different boards and possibly praising them. Yeah. So they nixed the idea and Stab had to figure out a plan B. So they shipped the boards to West Oz and had Taj write them. <laughs> Taj is the perennial second placer. <laughs> <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, dude. <laughs> Tanner Ann wasn't available. Dude, we we need <laughs> – he actually is available. Um, actually, that would be fucking cool, man. I'd be stoked be. to see Shane around. That's who they should, they should get some old guard guy. That would be amazing. Or um, some Gerlach. super young guy. Brad would be great. Or they could get – so my must-see moment, and I, I'm just going to jump ahead, but I know we got a ton to talk about, not the least of which is the swell that hit here in California with, with Peter Mel and Mavericks. and the, Oh, anyway. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my must see moment is this thing on stab, right? So it's, uh, let me get to it here. Where is it? <clears throat> Microdose with high glindamin. And he's writing three different boards, a Stussy twin fin, a Simon Jones Roundtail channel twin fin, similar to the one behind you. Uh, I think it's back there. And a CI Black Beauty. And these are three boards that were from Steph Gilmore's electric Kool-Aid acid test or whatever it's called. And, um, so this young kid's ripping it, Lennox had, and he's surfing out. And my point is, it was cool that they grabbed some young guy, a kid in high school. And so in that same vein, it would be cool if they grabbed Brad Gerlach or Shane Horan or somebody that's still totally ripping at the age of 40-something or 50-something and let these guys take these boards through the hoops. Because when I watched Jai, or yeah, it's Jai, I, look, there was a few moments where you're like, yeah, he's, he's still kind of like trying to smooth it out, but he's a red-hot surfer. And I just were related to it a little bit more than if I see Taj, I'm just gonna be like, fuck, Taj can ride anything good. Yeah. You know? Jai is an amazing surfer. Yeah, it was really cool, Holy man. The, the style this kid was presenting was really sweet. I was stoked on this microdose from Step. Which, which board looked the best? Uh, the Simon Jones looked the worst. And I, I don't mean that in that, what I mean is Jai's used to riding a certain type of board. And you could tell that the flat rocker in the nose, there was moments where it was catching for Jai, you yeah. know? And it looked like it might have been a little bigger board than he's used to riding. It looked like he really enjoyed the CI Black Beauty the most. At least that's the most footage. He, he surfed it in different, varying different spots, which suggested to me that he's like, oh, let's, I like this board. Let's go to D-Ball. Let's go to here. Let's, you know, 
let's move it around. And so my vibe was that he liked the CI Black Beauty the best, but all three boards, my point is it was fun watching him surf yeah. all of these boards, you know, like I enjoy, I have something similar to the Simon Jones round tail. And I have a six, six step up that's similar to a black beauty. And I have a twin fin and um, it was cool watching yeah. him ride all of the boards. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, and, I, I, and something about just three boards, you know, not giving yeah. them 10 boards. That's almost like overkill for this project. I think if they could just, if they could boil it down and go, look, we're going to give three boards to this guy, three boards to this guy, three boards to this guy, three boards. Maybe that's a better way to do it so that they can really explore the boards in different ways. Anyway, just a thought. Yeah. So I actually love Jai Glendeman and I wanted to watch that. So I clicked on it and it was behind a paywall. Right. And so let's purchase. get into that. Okay. Let's do that. Stab has gone subscription. I found this out this mm. morning. Um, it's $120 a year now or $50 a year if you pay up front for the annual deal. But you can pay monthly. It'll be $120. This is directly from Sam's email. Sam McIntosh, the head guy at STAB, the owner. STAB going to a subscription is something we've talked about for some time. But when COVID rolled into town, 10 years happened in 10 months and our hand was forced. Google and Facebook take 60 to 70% of all digital marketing spend. And we expect that that percentage is going to grow. The sun has passed midday for ad-supported media. For those left, it will be a race to the bottom. And speaking from experience, when you're chasing clicks, you get lost in the outrageous and the contagious. Think graphic shark attacks and Ellie Jean Coffee nudes. Dang, <laughs> slinging mud. <laughs> which is a brilliant stab at Beach Grit, right? <laughs> When you might argue the World Surf League will still be delivering free contests on an ad-supported media model, let's not forget they're also owned and operated by a billionaire. For this, we should all be very grateful. This is a big test for STAB. We're either strong enough to survive or we're expediating the end of our life. Our sense is if we're not worth the investment from our audience, we shouldn't be in the game. In the U.S., Transworld Surf, Surfing, and now Surfer magazines have all been buried. In Australia, surfing life and tracks are barely recognizable from their glory days. We're supplementing our films by reinvesting in the written word with deep dives formerly reserved for print. Jed Smith or Taylor Paul is leading us here, helping us get Stab Premium off the ground. Jed Smith from Ain't That Swell will be joining us once again with a focus on current events and culture in Australia. His first piece about the Australian surfboard shortage will help you figure out why your shaper isn't returning your calls. Ali Klinkenberg wants to resurrect the profile piece and will be spending time at home with our subjects. He's working on a piece with indigenous surfer Otis Carey, who has been painting $150,000 artworks for brands like Google. And you can read his profile of Jai Glindeman next week. So there you have it, David. That's the end of Sam's words. They're going into the paid. I purchased this model this morning. I spent my um, money on stab. I'm willing to throw $50 at, but I do want to throw this at you before I let you take over here. I spent $50 on stab this morning for an annual pass and I did so gleefully and I immediately was given the, the full premium package. 
I've spent $36 every year on the Encyclopedia of Surfing. In addition, I give Matt at the Encyclopedia of Surfing additional money when he reaches out for it. I've given Surfline $100 a year. That's how much it costs at Surfline. Um, the Surfer's Journal gets $68 of my money. Um, how much are we charging for our podcast? Five bucks a month. So that's an additional $60, right? If you add it all up, that's $250 a year in surf content. And it's likely to go up. This is just my spend, right? Um, $250 a year, I can handle that, especially because it's going to be a write-off for my business. Um, but that's what we're looking at, $250 a year. Um, I, I do want to see some in-depth journalism. And you're right. A lot of that comes from us. And, and in fact, we do provide it as much as I kind of poo-poo the fact that we don't. We have inside contacts and we use them for the show. And we, we give people insight that they might not otherwise get. I'm going to leave it there. $250 a year for surf content. That's without the WSL going to a paywall. Um, your thoughts on stab going premium. And um, is it a race to the bottom for what's left? I'll, I'll let you take over here. Uh, I'm all for it. I think this is, they're late to this decision. I think that uh, they're copying us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, obviously they've been thinking about it a long time, but you and I have had, we had this, you were trying to force the idea of Patreon four years ago. Like, yeah. hey dude, we need to do this. We need to be supported on a regular, predictable, dependable basis because we have, let's say, eight to 10 hours of a day that we're going to be working and I need to decide whether I allocate that time towards the podcast or towards these other business ventures that I have, which have money attached to them. I'd rather do the podcast, but if there's no money, I got to pay my mortgage, you know? So we're now enacting that and there's a bunch of benefit that comes along with it. I can say being on the inside of doing it is one-on-one -on -one connection with the, with your clientele is key. Like that is the main benefit of it. Not having to make decisions for anybody other than who you are creating content for is awesome. So, and that's gone, that's been true since the beginning of doing the podcast is people email and they go, Hey, you should interview so-and-so. I go, sweet. I'll do that. I don't have to say, yeah, but he's not sponsored by the brand who's actually sponsoring that show. So I can't do that. I'm going to go interview the same person that you've already heard from a million times before. There's all sorts of freedom that you get latitude. Like Firewire, Kelly Slater and the um, exactly. Stab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's conflicts of interest that arise with the medium, with the sponsor model. Now, Stab still has sponsorships. And by the way, Vans is going to cover the first 5,000 subscribers. So if you are one of the first 5,000 subscribers on Stab's thing, premium version, Vans is going to cover the first month worth of cost. So they still do have partnerships. And you and I do as well. We have Need Essentials. We have NVS. And those, but through those relationships, we work it out and they even say, hey, we don't want it to be forced. You don't have to, you're welcome to talk about other wetsuits, other fins, whatever, because we recognize that the value in what you're doing is the sincerity and the earnestness of it. And if it ever becomes not earnest, then you'll lose credibility with the core audience. 
So I think this is a move for Stab to- Do you know who Ernest T. Bass is? Ernest T. Bass. No. Okay, I'm gonna let the listeners Google that later, continue. You did, you, dude, I should know because you brought this up five <laughs> years ago and I didn't know then. Every time you say Ernest, I think of him. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna read two additional paragraphs from Stab, from uh, Sam's message because yeah. these relate to us. And I think these relate more importantly to why surf media will be better if it's small and catered to a loyal audience. He said, quote, I've been getting calls from friends talking about the opportunities that will now be afforded to stab since Surfer Magazine is closed. And I wholeheartedly disagree. While Surfing Magazine shuttered, and they were our closest competitor at the time, Stab's business was impacted less than 5%. The same way that Billabong learned Quicksilver wasn't the enemy, the structural decline in surf media has nothing to do with other surf media. The demise doesn't open any doors, and we hope that our friends at places like Surfing World and the Encyclopedia of Surfing thrive. What we've discovered since we've started charging for our films like Stab in the Dark and the Electric Acid Surfboard Test, along with events like Stab High and Surf 100, is the emergence of the smaller, more loyal audience who support us financially because they value our output. So rather than chase down those elusive vanity metrics that might only impress our parents or fleetingly a 24-year-old media buyer for some brand, we are shifting our focus to this core audience. This subscription move will more, likely, uh, more than likely surprise a lot of our readers, where some delight, others will be infuriated, but with your financial support, we will invest every dollar back into more quality journalism and independent films. So I think that is straight to the point. I think the other model was always elusive. Surfer, Surfer Magazine's rates that they were charging were not realistic rates. They were amplifying the number of sales that they actually, the number of printed magazines that they actually made, they multiplied by 10 and argued to their advertisers, this touches 10 hands. If it goes into a grocery store, a bunch of people come by, they look at it and they see your ad. It's if, called a pa pass along rate. Exactly. So if David gets the subscription, he takes it to high school and then lets his friends read it. So that <laughs> pass along rate. By the way, that's a phrase you won't be hearing in like five years. No. That pass along rate's gone the way of the dinosaur. Because by the way, it didn't work. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't true. It was all, it was all a fallacy. So the idea of chasing those vanity metrics, as Sam put it, is... Um, By the way, pass-along rate is a metric that was used throughout publishing. It wasn't just Surfer Magazine. I blame Surfer. Good. Um, <laughs> so I think what we've identified, this is not my uh, own original idea, but what we've kind of identified in this modern world is, dude, we don't need a million downloads. We don't need a million downloads and selling advertising for a penny per download. We need a thousand, honestly, a thousand loyal people to give us five bucks a month, you know, and we have way more than a thousand listeners, but if we can get a thousand people to get us five bucks a month, we can run a little business. We could sell a little advertising and everybody would win, you know? Yeah. So that, I think that in stab, by the way, says Vans is going to cover the first 5,000 subscribers. Of which I'm one. I don't think they're going to get 5,000. <laughs> Do you? 
I was racing to sign up to make sure I got a free month. I don't know. Do you, I hope they do. I don't know. I mean, 5,000. I, I don't know what their rate, what their, um, $48 a year. No, I know. I don't know what their um, number of views are in a month or whatever, but I'd be shocked if they hit a 5,000 in any time soon. They could grow to 5,000, but that's a lot of people to give you that yeah. money. Surfing's not that big. Ultimately, what we realize over and over again is that surfing is not that big. Yeah, I think surfing's bigger than ever. And I think it's growing, as you and I both know, as far as participants and enthusiasts in the water. But the guy that's on a wave storm, I don't think he, he wants to do a deep dive into Jai Glind like the way that you and I do. How do you say his last name? Glindeman? Yeah. You know, and so <clears throat> I could be wrong there. Maybe they're going to go from enthusiast to, or from aspirational, I should say, to enthusiast and then be engaged the way that you and I are. But I mean, look, we've been engaged for 40 years, you know, like, um, but anyway, you know what, along with this, this might be a good time to bring up the other big giant in the space, which is Surfline. And I would argue that Stab's nowhere near what Surfline is. Surfline charges me $100 a year. And Surfline WaveTrack, um, and I'll just read from their press release, this, this is news that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, the company behind Surf Forecasting Powerhouse, Surfline, announced today an investment of $30 million by TCG. The company also announced the appointment of Kyle Laughlin as their new CEO. Laughlin succeeds Jeff Berg, who will play an active role in the company as executive chairman. Laughlin, who has assumed the role of CEO, joins Surfline from Amazon, where he oversaw connected hardware and software, <clears throat> excuse me, experiences for Amazon Echo and Alexa. Prior to Amazon, Laughlin held a senior vice president role at the Walt Disney Company, responsible for Disney and Lucasfilm mobile applications, connected hardware, and game experiences. In this role, he oversaw development of the company's next generation consumer technology and digital experiences, including AR and VR, artificial intelligence, and the Internet of Things. Prior to Disney, Kyle was head of sports and games at Yahoo. This is an interesting character, this Kyle Laughlin, what he's going to bring to our experience at Surfline. I don't know, as you read between the lines, they are going to uh, probably up their game. You know, they came out with that watch thing that you're supposed to be able to, um, you know, see all of your rides um, using this watch technology and, and their, their cameras. Um, and I'm sure they're going to take that kind of approach and just go big time with it um, with Kyle Laughlin. Your thoughts okay. on Surfline and a $30 million um, infusion into I, Surfline? I uh, think it's a great thing. And I think it's a great thing because of the Channon group, the group of investors that put in the 30 million bucks. If you look at their track record for things that they've done, it's excellent. Like, they take these small uh, subscription-based businesses that have a loyal following. Surfline's a great example. Meat Eater is another one that they did last year. Um, I forget what the food website, oh, Food52, I think was the food website that they invested in. They recently just hooked up with Hodinkee, which is a watch blog, and they gave them 50 million bucks. But they're small businesses that have loyal followings 
that have subscript a profitable subscri- subscription business revenue model. So it's yeah. recurring revenue that's already yeah. built in that they're running a profitable business on. And they, oh, Barstool Sports was their other big investment. That's last right. Year. That was a big one. Yeah. So, so they have a successful business already and a small core audience. And what they've done with those investments that we've seen in the past is actually cater to that exact core but expand all of the content. So we haven't seen a situation where they exploit them and start branding, you know, uh, random things that are unrelated to the core product or try to chase some random middle America audience that doesn't even care about the thing. They've only kind of what, what my experience has been is I now watch meat eater on I started getting meat eater kind of content through Instagram fed to me. I started getting bar school sports, little video memes that they post on Instagram. Those things I get sent to me, fed to me and I watch them and I laugh because somebody was trying to chug a beer from a second story and the beer fell out of the guy's hand and hit the guy in the face. And it was funny. So then I follow Barstool sports and then it turns out they're also doing a bunch of other content. The CEO is doing daily recap videos of something that happened in sports and sometimes it's as stupid as Dennis Rodman opening a box, a shoe box, but he does it by ripping it in half rather than just opening it. And so he's, you know, has this kind of irreverent commentary on that. But I find myself watching it is the point is that Barstool Sports content, I never would have searched out on my own. Meat Eater, it's about hunting. I never would have searched that out on my own. But by creating a bunch of additional content and using the algorithm, to get it to a maybe a tangential audience has engaged me as a viewer, as somebody who will never go hunting. I'm now watching not only their Instagram stuff that they're going, but I'm watching Meat Eater on Netflix as well, the series. And I'm never going to go hunting. And so I think if you look at those examples, that is what they will do with Surfline. They're yeah. already running a profitable business. They'll just expand upon the content and get more people out there. I Why won't you ever go hunting? I don't know any hunters. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not opposed well, to hunting. The I'm reason just, I, here's the reason I asked that because it seems to me that you and I are the perfect two guys that are like, look, we're never going hunting. However, if somebody presented to us a sort of, Hey, we'll fly you in. Yeah. We will kind of babysit you through the process. We will load your, we will teach you about, you will go through learning about firearm safety. You will go with our guides. You know, we will provide you uh, an aspirational experience where you don't have to be Johnny Hunter guy, but you can go experience it and understand what we're about as a culture. Like that kind of thing seems like, I bet it's already out there. I bet I just haven't, you know, it's something I haven't looked into, but as a guy like you who, is involved with meat eater, I could see this kind of popping up on your radar. Like, Hey, come have an aspirational experience with us. Bring your girlfriend. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. You're going to have fine dinners. You're going to go out for three days of hunting, blah, blah, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but uh, you know, I could see this happen. I would do it. Yeah, I would do it. So I do, I was going to say, I don't really know anybody that hunts, but that's a lie. Josh Hall is a big hunter. He's a bow hunter. And uh, he and his wife just went and did a trip in Maui and yeah, he's told me all about it, but if the investment of it is too significant. Like you need a week, yeah. you need a bunch of training, you got to buy all the equipment, you got to, yeah. and it's like, uh, well, maybe, maybe out. it's, yeah, it might not be an aspirational thing. My workload is full as it is. I can't figure out yeah. time to go do all that stuff, but I would love to actually source my own meat. Like the, the end result of it suits yeah. my needs and my lifestyle, but 
I think that uh, what I'm glad you asked me what I think about this investment. I think it's a good thing because I think they'll do it right. Ultimately yeah. is the answer. I think I'm going to enjoy the content that they do. There's one difference though, between all those examples I gave meat eater has a figurehead, Steve Ranella. Barstool sports has a figurehead who I don't know his name. He's a kind of a douche. Yeah. Michael Rappaport. I think it is. Yeah. Isn't it one of the Rappaport guys? Michael Rappaport is an actor and is a person, but he's oh, no. not. I know who you mean though. He's yeah. kind of like a, he's kind of um, fair skinned and yeah. he's, he's really kind of loud and he's from Boston. He's a douche. Yeah. I forget his name, but guy's yeah. such a douche, but Fig, figurehead. He is a figurehead. So yeah. my point is they're allowing the figurehead to stay in that position and they're just kind of getting them up and amplifying them. It's Surfline, been hard for Surfline to be able to fill those Sean Collins you yeah. know, shoes. And if they did do it, who would that person be? It would be Kevin Wallace, right? He's their lead guy, but he's, he's not, not necessarily, he's not necessarily like, he's a scientist guy. He's not necessarily engaged. He's not Bill Nye, the science guy. He's Kevin Wallace. The, you know, he's not necessarily that in front guy. They, they don't, don't do, they don't have a guy. And, and I don't they know bring, that Kevin can, they, can they bring in a guy? Or do or they need, that, do they need that, a guy? You know, it's, it's a different business. Maybe they yeah. don't need, but those yeah. other things do have that. And yeah. so, uh, I, the, I, it's not, right or wrong it's just different i'm not sure how it'll yeah. transpire for them right but i'm glad about it and, so and you, good you, for surfline by the way yeah for sure i'm stoked about it too and so but what do you foresee do you what does the future look like in five years on surfline are we going to have somehow it's obvious that this guy works with hardware and creates a user experience through hardware that's been you know upgraded and enlightened and is better in some fashion we don't know what that is yet but he's done this right with alexa and all that that seems to be where this guy's all about is creating a better consumer user experience through hardware and in this case you got to figure well that's the camps right and so what's that look like we don't know well i could see them um partnering with every aspect of surfing so maybe they create some sort of technology that uh you know i don't know tracks your surfboard that you can embed in a surfboard or tracks your surfboard or partners with surf brands and they provide some sort of an add-on service on Surfline where they give away some of that brand's product and that brand helps tie you into, I don't know. I, I just I, think it's going to be more technically involved than that. I don't think it's as simple as, hey, we'll give you a free leash if you sign. That's true. It's, yeah, it's going to be some sort of connected hardware deal or app, mobile, mobile apps. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. why this guy's the guy. Yeah. Um, well, I'm for it. I think the right yeah. people are involved. I'm, I don't know. Like you said, Kevin Laughlin, it sounds like they brought in somebody. Kyle, who, it's Kyle. Kyle, Laughlin. that's right. That's right. Sounds like they brought in somebody who has um, all the technical chops, but maybe doesn't surf, but I'm okay with that too. Let me ask you this. So earlier when we began this discussion, I said, I'm spending $250 a year for surf content. At what point does that number get to be um, penal? Too much um, for you, for the average guy, for me, like obviously. I think, I think 250 is kind of the limit. Yeah. I think um, I feel good about 250 and I am going to sign up for Stab's thing today. I'll pay the, the $10 a month is pricey, but it's 48 bucks a year if you yeah. do it all in advance and 40, 48 bucks is worth it for me. Yeah. And by the way, for listeners who are thinking about making that same investment, it includes all of the films. So like rather than paying $10 for stab high or yeah, you're going to get it all. It all comes with the package. And so that's, 
and I'm sorry to interrupt, that stuff won't be on YouTube any longer no. or on Vimeo. It's going to only reside so that you who have purchased the paywall will get to see it. No one else will. Yeah. So I'm for it. So I think I, I'm going to buy that, but I do think 250 to 300 bucks is the limit. And I think there's a lot of the world that can't even afford that. So yeah. they're going to have to be very discerning <clears throat> about, and by the way, that's why for our own personal business, um, all the podcasts are still available for free. You know, like I wanted to kind of create a scenario where listeners can still get the podcast for free. You got to listen to ads and maybe you don't get the archive, but you can get everything for free yeah. because there are people that simply can't afford it. Like not everybody lives in Southern California like you and I, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that, that's true for stab too. You don't get everything for free, but there is a free version of stab. Which is going to be, I didn't think it was very engaging. Well, think... the other thing I noticed was all the comment sections are missing. Oh, really? They nixed the comment section. I don't know if that's temporary or what, but yeah. And it wasn't just on that piece. It was on all of the pieces. I checked multiples. Huh. Uh, but hey, Scott, considering that we do have sponsors and that we want to kind of incentivize subscribers to subscribe, yes. I'm going to give away a set of fins from NBS. Very nice. To who? The first subscriber? Nope. I'm going to, I've got all of their names on this wheel of fortune, uh, randomly selector device on the internet. Cool. So I put all the names in, I'm going to click the button. I'm going to tap to spin the wheel and a name's going to pop up and they are going to get to choose between a set of mankind thrusters from NVS fins. Yes. Or. Dude, those look sick right there. Ono keel fins. So oh, I got no. a, a pet uh, or a set of the Ono keel twin fins. Yeah. With F, uh, I'm sorry, futures tabs. So they'll fit on any board that you have futures boxes in or Mankind's thruster. So Dan Mann has a line of fins with NVS called Mankind. Those are so sweet. This is again, anybody who is currently subscribed to the podcast and contributing five bucks a month is entered in to this game. The wheel is spinning. Spin the wheel, David. Spin that wheel. Push that button and we have... We gave away an album soft top last year and now we're doing fins. What does we it have say? a winner. What does it say? I've got good news. If your name is Max Kahan. K-A-H-A-N. I've seen that name before. I think he's been subscribed for a period it, of time. Is it, is it Kahan? Max Kahan or Max Kahan. You just won yourself a pair, a set of fins. Max, thanks for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed out there in listener land, please do so and help David and I out here as we trudge the road of happy destiny. Um, Surf NVS is the, their website, by the way. And I don't know if you knew this, Scott, the Apex series fins, which is the stuff made out of the G10 laminated uh, fiberglass. Super, super thin proprietary technology. It's not proprietary. It's just more expensive oh. for the mass scale to do it. So NVS is able to do it for cheaper, but it is has a lifetime warranty. Did you know that? I did not know that it had a lifetime warranty, but it makes sense. I know we haven't really hit on that detail enough, but the Apex series has lifetime warranty, which by the way, I feel like you're never going to turn these things in. Like NVS can say that and they will honor it, but they know you're never going to return them. They'll last a lifetime. By the way, are you of the opinion of that I am that once you try APX, you never go back? Like, I don't see why I would ride any other fin than an APX created yeah. fin. Yeah, I they're agree. ridiculous. 
I agree. And by the way, it's not just available in thruster and uh, twins. They have the full range of fins is available in this tech apex, which by the way, you get 20% off if you use our promo code podcast. Sweet. It is the deal of the century. And how do they Uh, subscribe to our podcast? Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Click on support the show, or I'll just put it in your show notes. You can pull it up on your phone right now. Look at the show notes and the very first word will say subscribe in all caps and it'll hyperlink you over to the platform to do it. You can use PayPal, you can use a credit card and um, it'll take you less than one minute to do it. Do they get all of your shows or do they just get this show? All of them. Wow, all all six shows, your and show, the boardroom show, everything. It's, and it's, it's only entire. five bucks a month? Only five bucks a month, dude. Dude, for all those shows? That's yes. ridiculous. Well, thank you. And you know what I was having a problem with? I was archiving everything a couple of months ago. It was costing hundreds of dollars, like hundreds of dollars to go through and archive and upload everything because it's all, it's not bandwidth, but it's server space. And um, I'm just like, God, I want these conversations to exist for posterity. And we've got that guy down in Argentina or wherever who said he's listening to the back catalog. And I'm like, to maintain the expense of just warehousing all of this is hundreds of dollars. So just thinking in five years when that guy finds out the COVID happened. He'll <laughs> be like, Eric Logan contracted it? Whoa, wild, man. Uh, oh, man. That was a Rose Garden party. I mean, honestly, the Pipe Masters is the Rose Garden party. What's the phone call between Dirk Ziff and Eric Logan like when Dirk's like, dude, wh- how did you catch it? Why are you in Hawaii? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to uh, know. Poor Eric. I don't want to know. That's Eric will be okay. Here's the, here's the it's reality. Not a good, it's not a good look, but hey, Eric has done well for himself. Yeah. He's married well. He's got, he's fine. Eric will yes. do fine. And by the way, he is a picture of health. So yes. in terms of if anybody's going to contract COVID and has the least likelihood of getting very ill, it's Eric. Yeah. He's a runner. He's a surfer. He's a stand-up paddler. Um, yeah. So anyways. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's hit Need Essentials too for last minute gifting ideas. If you need anything, Need Essentials will, I mean, I give the jacket, the Prima Loft jacket is my go-to gift. Um, but if you need wetsuits, needessentials.com to keep you warm. Have, have you done all of your Christmas shopping? I have, I'm completely done. God. I How about you? Start. Well. You haven't even started. I mean, I've given three gifts, I think. You bought or you already gave them? No, no. I mean, I purchased and they're in shipping. You know, they're in route. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But I need to, I don't know. I'm not very good with that. I'm very good with it. I'm proud to say what, that I'm What'd you get me? <laughs> <laughs> I got you this. Hell yeah. <laughs> I got you this. That this, is. This Spicoli, Spicoli uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High logo as spit podcast yeah guy oh my god the whole yeah guy thing has come back to haunt me how's that people shout at you all the time no i don't mind that it's just the the spicoliization of it which is what it was it was all about spicoli what about this one i like this one yeah that one's cool surf splendor clark foam logo stickers coming your way did you get are you going to get sued by grubby you know i thought about that it might be good. It'd be kind yeah. of a cool thing to happen. I'm okay that. with it. I'm okay. If that happens, if a cease and desist comes, I'll acknowledge it. Uh, but I'm, uh, Dude, how what's much, he going to assume? What's he going to sue me for? 
I don't know, but just think how much more they'll be worth if you can go on air and go, hey, there's a cease and desist on this. We'll get so Things much are publicity. S- skyrocket. We'll get, we'll get, I'll feed the story to Stab. They're going to start doing real surf journalism. I'll feed them the story and uh, yeah, we'll be in the media. Well, let's Getting hope sued. so. By the way, um, speaking of t-shirts, surfers are the worst. Those t-shirts are available at staycovered.com. So you can get those now. Last minute gift idea along with Need Essentials, along with your, your mer- merchandise, along with uh, NVS Fins. Um, there's plenty of places for you guys to go and do finish up your shopping. Um, by the way, we talked about the Spit Podcast t-shirts and I said, I don't know if I told you actually, but the warehouse, I got a note from the where or the printer and they go, Hey dude, a couple people in our warehouse contracted COVID. So we're shutting business down for a couple of weeks. I was like, dude, I was expecting to have those shirts before Christmas and sell them before Christmas. They're like, and so that wasn't, I just accepted that's not going to happen. Well, I got another note that that was like the mass emailer that they sent out to everybody. I got another note from them last week saying that mine were actually already printed at the time. And the portion that does like the packaging and the finishing is still running. And so I'm gonna, I should have those this week. So oh, I won't cool. make them available on the website yet this week, but I should at least have the t-shirts and we'll get them out in January. Sweet. Shipping stuff's too tough right now with the leading into the holidays. We don't want to burden everybody. So we'll just aim at January, but we'll have those spit t-shirts available then. Um, I have a must-see moment and a Duke and a potential kook. Okay. I have a must-see moment, which I've spoken of already. Jai Glendeman. Jai Glendeman on stab, stab right now, microdose, three different boards. Uh, Check it out. It's pretty, it's definitely uh, worth a watch. This kid's got a great style. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um, my must see moment is Nathan Florence's backdoor bomb yesterday. Did you see uh, that? I, I didn't see it. No freaking a dude. Absolutely unreal. Um, just a proper, I mean the, it'd be a 10 point ride easily in any event. So check that out. We'll put it on uh spitpodcast.com, put it on Instagram as well. My Duke Ivan Florence. Yes. Booties and all. Ivan Florence is quietly the most underrated Florence brother. And what he did in the trials at pipe was amazing. Like he, I mean, they were referring to Jerry Lopez as kind of a, I don't know, a style comparative. Like Ivan looks casual in the tube. He looks like he's done it for a million years and he just falls way off the radar as opposed to John John's limelight. And now Nathan kind of wrenching some of that towards himself with his vlog. But Ivan quietly has been ripping on the North shore all along and his trialist performance um, reminded me of that. So I was really glad to see Ivan Florence Duke of the week. Good call. I I would agree with that. Ivan was fun to watch as was, as was Josh Moniz. (laughs) Amazing. Josh, Josh Moniz was firing me up, I got to say. He's also somebody who fell off or uh, kind of fell by the wayside with Seth getting all the limelight in recent years. But a great reminder that Josh is equally as talented for sure. By the way, how beautiful was Keala Moniz when they – did you see that part of the broadcast where they had her phone in? Oh, I saw you text me during that time <laughs> of the broadcast. <laughs> she, she's an intelligent, smart, beautiful young mother. She's wonderful. I've always yeah. been a huge fan. 
Yeah. Yeah, congrats on her. They got a new kid, right? By the way, that whole call-in thing was really cool. Like they had Aki call in. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Aki and Barton Lynch had a moment, which I thought was great. Um, who else called in? That? Tom, Tom, Tom Carroll. Carol, yeah. But the Aki and the Keala was, I thought was wonderful. So, um, Kalia. Kalia, thank you. Kalia. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they're doing is the counting down the 50 yes. raw moments is That's really super cool. cool. Yeah, really that well is done. really good. That is really well done. Cool. Um, how, how did Seth Moniz do for your survival league? I mean, he's, we're still in it, right? I mean, it's still happening. I, yeah. I don't even know, to be honest with you. He made his heat. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly made his as well. Kelly's my pick. By the way, I was joking. I was trying to bait everybody on our show into picking Peterson Crisanto. Yeah, so that, that they would got a life of its own, didn't it? That got a did. life of its own. Yeah, it did. And somebody picked him because the Survival League posted the statistics. One person picked him. Pedersen lost his first heat with a 0.9 heat total. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even get one full point. He got 0.9. I saw that. That was so great. I know. Pedersen, man. Really? I'm looking like um, Nostradamus with that that pick. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, dude. Good show. Um, Sad but compelling news from the WSL. We'll keep tabs on it. Hopefully the event will get back up and running in the next day or two. It's sad we had to wait till Tuesday to record. We could have just, we should have taken to the airwaves on Friday night. Maybe we need to be a more, little bit nimble like that. That might yeah. sto- stoke some listeners out. I will tell you what, with people's $5 monthly subscription, they can buy stuff like that. I mean, honestly, that will invest in us. You and I, I mean, if we're making a living doing this, absolutely i'll be here 24 7 reporting and i'll be and and i'll be hitting eric logan up for the one-on-one interview about this stuff too i i know i can speak for you when some of this news drops and i'm like shit we should go on we should be on the air right now you know that goes through my mind yeah i'm down to do it look 2021 already i've got all sorts of stuff slated that we didn't have slated in 2020 and i would love to be able to do stuff like that i mean it's just a phone call at this point you know it's like Let's, let's call each other and, and spend 30 minutes and get a, a bonus episode or something. Exactly. But it specifically for me, the reason why I didn't do that is because it was Friday night. I had worked all week and I had literally like had food going in the kitchen and I didn't want to stop what I was doing. But if this is my work week, if this is officially like how you and I are making a living, then I'd be more than happy because my work week wouldn't be over at that point. The reason why I checked out at that point was because I had worked Monday through Friday 50 or 60 hours, you know? So yeah. I'd be more than happy to do it with your subscription dollars. Yeah, please subscribe. Consider it at least. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'll um, see you before Christmas, right? We'll get together oh, on by the, the 22nd. Way, did, you, did you catch that last episode's closing music was um, an acoustic version of the Allman Brothers? Yes, that's right. Um, in memory of, in loving memory of Elizabeth Reed. That was a really good jam wasn't it did you happen Amazing. to listen to it i did listen to it amazed really, by the guitar yeah it's, it's really good so, um yeah. did you notice what i played the week before Re- refresh my memory you were hyped on the rolling stones re-issue. oh yeah and that was from that specific i pulled the live version that you were exactly talking about the yeah. live album yeah and i i think i used street fighting man which you did it's so funny you say this because you when i heard it, i'm like oh, that's the worst one of i know 
Uh, but the it, 12 songs, I, I would have had you pull Midnight Rambler. That's really where Mick Taylor goes crazy. I know. I thought about that too, but I wanted something that was recognizable to people. Oh, well, screw them. This is about us. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. made the decision, but I agree with you. I didn't really stand by the decision. Yeah. All right. Well, look, until next time, or perhaps even sooner, adios and hello.